Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to DraftKings Network. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I f***ing love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that boss next. Big job there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. They're a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshitters. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, here we go. Oh, here we go. Listenership suggesting I fixed the Wi-Fi. No, I left my house. No more broadcasting at my house. Going to be back with you Monday, May 22nd, 2023, episode 410 of the Anakin Florian podcast presented by DraftKings. Anyone out there like Bitcoin at Kenny Florian on Twitter and on Instagram. So, uh, I mean, this isn't breaking news to anybody who's following you on Instagram. So this is fair game. I have a tracker on Kenny now, actually. He was in Miami Beach about 55 minutes from my front door. But I just saw you. I got my Ken Flo Phil. But you were in Miami Beach, some sort of Bitcoin convention. Ben Askren, Chris Cyborg, Kenneth Allen Florian. I saw you had a headset on, presumably talking about Bitcoin and maybe a little bit of UFC stuff as well. I mean, bro, what is going on, man? What, What was going on in Miami Beach? I am all over the shop, dude. Uh, yeah, so we had uh, the Bitcoin conference uh, put on by Bitcoin Magazine, um, and uh, I was invited to go. I, I've always wanted to attend um, for whatever reason. I'm usually working or somewhere else, and finally was able to go, and it was awesome, man. The, the Bitcoin community—they're a special bunch. You will f- you will find like from the nerdy crew to like athletic dudes to like fighters. Obviously, Ben Askren and Cyborg, as you mentioned, were there, and we were all up at the desk together, and. Uh, it was cool. It's just cool to see so many different people, so many different backgrounds, so many different minds come together and, and be pushing for Bitcoin. And uh, it, it was an awesome weekend. 
We haven't talked about Bitcoin on these airwaves in a long time. Certainly during the global pandemic, I was monitoring that shit every day and making a bunch of wayward purchases. I don't even want to tell you the highest (laughs) price point at which I bought Bitcoin. But uh, we have a lot to get into today and we're not going to spend any more time on uh, on Bitcoin. But if you are in the cryptocurrency space, Ken Flo says it's Bitcoin or nothing else. So uh, take that for what it's worth. So tons of fight announcements for UFC 291. I would like to get into Francis Ngannou signing with the PFL. So much has happened, I think, since we were last on the airwaves. So we could start really in any place. Mackenzie Dern certainly, I think, deserves to lead the show in some respects. But because you're the lead commentator for the PFL, let us begin with Francis Ngannou, who has signed with the Professional Fighters League. And certainly I'm very happy for you. It's very exciting for him on a personal level. It's exciting to think about the possibilities in Africa in terms of this ambassadorship and how much he can do over there. Um, But people who want to see one of the baddest men on the planet competing in a mixed martial arts space uh, aren't necessarily ingesting this as welcome news. He fought Sirogan January 22nd. 2022 and now it seems like best case scenario maybe we get a midway through 2024 in an mma setting which would amount to a two and a half year layoff and it's not as though he's 29 years of age but humongous news when a heavyweight of this stature former ufc heavyweight champion changes promotions and uh you'll be calling his next fight in mixed martial arts which is pretty exciting yeah, thank you, man. I, I'm very excited about it, and, and thank you for saying what you said. I, I think that you know, a big part of this deal was complicated by the fact that Francis Ngannou wanted to compete in boxing as well, and and I think that's his intention prior to 2024, which is why we're seeing an even longer layoff. But also, you know, I I think he thought that he had. Um, I guess more to offer the space. Not only uh, did he want to make a little bit more money, but I think he wanted to be more involved and kind of have more of a hands-on role and, and help with some kind of development and do something for fighters uh, in other places. That place ended up being Africa. I mean, he is such a big deal there and such an inspiration all over the world that I, I think it ended up becoming a great deal for everybody involved. And, um, you know, I think the PFL really worked extremely hard to get to get him um and obviously just with everything going on and all the competition out there i wasn't sure what was going to happen honestly and the fact that the pfl was uh you know was finally able to get him i think shows their commitment to raise the level of mixed martial arts in the pfl and i'm curious to see who they're going to have him fight uh in 2024 so um always good i think for the fighters when you have other options and, and other organizations that are paying well There are a lot of different layers to this, and I think just by nature of who cuts my check, people are going to probably see my take as being pro-UFC, and part of it is just getting to some discussion points when we talk about his opponents and who they might actually be and on what timeline this stuff might actually take place. In terms of the boxing stuff, Kenny, is there going to be a fight against Tyson Fury or Deontay Wilder or somebody that I'm not thinking of? It seems as though Anthony Joshua has been dismissive of a fight with Francis Ngannou. That would seem to be the delay, right? He's now enough months removed from his surgery where seemingly the delay to MMA competition would just be the boxing. Is that the way you understand it, that PFL is giving him their blessing to pursue this major boxing payday that, uh, that he hoped materializes between now and, and his PFL debut? 
I think that's probably partially responsible for why we're going to see him in 2024 and not in 2023. I think that's something that he wanted to pursue. And candidly, I'm all for fighters trying to make as much money as possible. But what I don't love or what I'm not so excited about all the time is seeing a fighter go outside of their realm of specialty, um, similar to what Conor McGregor did against Floyd Mayweather and Fred Sangano, you know, trying to do now here. I, I think that that is while he's extremely dangerous and one of the hardest hitting punchers in the world, no matter what boxing or MMA, um, the art of boxing is something that is very different. And um, I don't know. I, I think uh, hopefully people find it intriguing. I don't so as much. I, I want to see Francis Ngannou do mixed martial arts. That's what he does best. Um, so I'm not too keen on seeing uh, boxers going in MMA and MMA uh, fighters go into boxing. I, I just think it's a little bit, uh, too different, but hey, you know, if he sees the value in it and he has the opportunity to make money, then you know, go for it. Now, I'm not going to put you on the spot as if I'm interviewing you today and ask you what can you tell us about PFL Africa, Can Flow, right? Because that's <laughs> yeah. not your job, and I want yeah. this podcast to continue to be fun for you. Sure. But I can tell you, and you probably know this: Kamar Usman has a regional promotion in Africa, and he mm. has gone to great lengths to put on at least two live events, if I'm not mistaken. Now. I don't know how that compares to what seems to be a grander initiative for the PFL, which is a major promotion, and for Francis Ngannou, but let's see what happens. Let's see exactly what materializes there, but it's very exciting to think about that angle. It's very exciting to think about his opponents making $2 million, right, because that sort of raises everything for everybody, uh, but who is it going to be? Your heavyweight champion is Ante D'Elia, and yep. his nickname is Walking Trouble. He's 23-5. and five. I'm not going to sit here and denigrate your PFL heavyweight champion and talk about a loss against Marcin Tabora back in 2015. Um, mm. And I'm not trying to put our executive producer, Cody Merrow, on the spot, right? But when I asked Cody in a pinch last week, and Cody, you know how much I love you, I asked him in a pinch, who's the PFL heavyweight champion? He didn't just give me that name immediately, and he was at his last fight. Right. So is it going to be Ante D'Elia? Is it going to be a tournament winner? Like, I mean, I guess a lot could materialize in the PFL heavyweight division between now and then, but it would seem as though Francis Ngata, would he be challenger when he makes his PFL debut against somebody who has some piece of a belt tournament or otherwise? Uh, yeah, you know, listen, I, I think that there's some valid points there, right? I think Ante Delia is a phenomenal heavyweight. Uh, not a lot of people know who he is because maybe a lot of people are following the UFC and not the PFL. Uh, right. That is fair. And in order to put on a big fight, you need to put on a fight between two individuals, you know, hopefully, uh, that people know extremely well. That's what's going to give you that big fight. Now, Ante Delia is one of those guys that the UFC was looking at when he – uh, yeah. They were going to sign him. Uh, phenomenal protege under under Crow Cop, judo, black belt, excellent grappler, uh, but really uh, known for his knockout power. Now, is that the guy that's going to face Francis Ngannou? I'm not sure. I think it would make it a competitive fight for the most part. I think it would be an interesting fight. But at the end of the day, I think it's the PFL's job and any MMA organization's job to put on fights that people want to see. And uh, I think name power is going to dictate that. Uh, so who knows? You know, I, I think that uh, if I'm a UFC heavyweight or I'm a, a heavyweight in another organization, and I'm going, well, I'm making this amount of money right now. And the PFL is guaranteeing at least a million, possibly $2 million for me to go to fight, fight Francis Ngannou. And my contract is maybe uh, up on the line. I mean, what, what, what would prevent you from doing that? besides the contract itself. 
Well, yeah. Well, I think that it would be maybe a longer term play with the UFC. There's some reports that Ngannou's deal with the PFL is only a handful of fights, right? And sure, I mean, I'm not even going to start naming a UFC heavyweight that potentially would cross over or be towards the tail end of the contract and have a big enough name. Like you need the perfect storm, right? Is like, yeah, I I just think uh, it's ambitious to think that there's going to be some relatively big name UFC heavyweight that's going to take the short term play that is the PFL. But I love Francis Ngannou. I'm very happy that it's the PFL because Kemflo can get me tickets. No, but I think it makes a lot of sense. And uh, I just hope that the big fight materializes for him on the boxing side, because otherwise there were just a lot of big fights that could have happened in the UFC. Now, Eric Nixick, and forgive me for not crediting the platform, has come out and said that the UFC said to them at one point in time that they couldn't even get a hold of John Jones for two months, you know. So I do think there is blame to be levied on several sides when it comes to sure. the Francis Ngannou-John Jones fight not materializing. Um, but big picture, if you're a mixed martial arts fan and you're a Francis Ngannou fan in the context of him being an MMA fighter, him taking two and a half years off as the baddest man on the planet uh, is fruitless. And I understand that he had an injury and that's a big chunk of that. But, you know, this is what I think a lot of people expected to be the resolution and uh, we'll see how it plays out. But hopefully uh, we're talking first or second quarter 2024 because, uh, you know, I'm as impatient as like uh, an 11-year-old kid right now for Francis <laughs> Ngannou back in a mixed martial arts setting. All right. So the UFC coming strong on that same day or the day after with some UFC 291 fight announcements. Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje, I thought this could be a pay-per-view main event. Now they've sort of upped the ante even more. They're putting the BFM title attached to it. What are your thoughts on the rematch between Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje? First fight between these two was April of 2018. It was a main event on Fox. Only the third UFC fight at the time for Gaethje. 20th for Dustin Poirier. Poirier, a slight favorite right now on DraftKings Sportsbook for uh, the second act against Gaethje. Your thoughts on that main event in Salt Lake City? Yeah, you know, I'm not a big fan of the BMF belt. Um, you know, it's a little gimmicky. It's kind of WWE-ish, but I am a huge fan of that fight. Obviously, uh, they have fought before. Um, these are two dudes that, um, if there are any dudes out there in the UFC, they are absolutely worthy of that title. I mean, those guys come to fight. Um, those are two dudes that any organization uh, can rely on to go out there and fight. They're going to move forward. They're going to look for a finish. Uh, and it's just going to be nonstop action. I mean, th- there's no way that fight can't be boring. Um, I'd be very surprised if it does go the distance. If it does go the different dif- uh, distance, we're going to have a- another classic fight between those two. So I think um, I think Gaethje has made huge improvements since then. Um, and uh, I think it's a fascinating fight, man, and one that's going to deliver insane action, uh, destined to be a classic for sure. So the question beckons, does the attachment of the BMF belt move the pay-per-view needle? I think we all would argue when they did it for Nate Diaz and Jorge Gamebred Masvidal, the first time they had done it, I think it was UFC 244 in 2019, The Rock was the one who ended up putting the strap on Jorge Masvidal. You got to think that that sold a few pay-per-view buys. I'm not sure if it does in this case. I thought this fight could stand alone without it. Yeah, I mean, I guess the... The pure sports fan in me wonders aloud, like, do you then defend the BMF belt, right? Because at 155 pounds, the Islam Akashev-Alexander Volkanovsky rematch has legs. But if Benil Daryush beats Islam Akashev, most people believe that Islam Akashev is going to fight Benil Daryush. So Gaethje and Poirier need to settle this business. 
whomever wins might still have to wait a little bit to challenge for that undisputed lightweight title. They both uh, had multiple cracks at that. So we'll see what happens. You know, I don't have a huge issue with the BMF belt, but I do wonder sometimes if that belt will like ever be defended or is it truly as cosmetic as, uh, as we are led to believe. Also of note, Ken Flo, Alex Pedeta making a quick turn, not at Ooh. 185 pounds though, fighting Jan Bojovic, the former UFC light heavyweight champion, Bohovic has not fought since that split draw with Magomed Ankalaev. That was December of 2022. So Alex Pedeta was knocked out by Israel Adesanya last month, if I'm not mistaken. And this dude has a massive following. Huge fan support for Alex Pedeta, not just in Brazil, but here in the United States and globally. How about the quick turn for Alex Pedeta and uh, taking on the former 205-pound champion here, July 29, Kit? I'm not really surprised. I, I think this is a guy who's now making uh, a decent check, man. Yeah, He's got to right. be getting paid right now. And I think as former champion of the UFC at 185 pounds, he absolutely deserves it. And I think the guys at 205 pounds are going to find out what it's like to face a world-class striker uh, in Alex Pereira. Uh, I think that He's going to be even better in that weight class. I think that there's better stylistic matchups for him. I think he's going to have an even better chin because he's not going to have to go through that brutal weight cut. I think he's going to bring even more power. I think it's a fantastic fight against Jan Bohovic. Now, I don't know exactly what the odds are or anything like that, but I do think Bohovic is dangerous. There's no question about that. But I don't think Pereira is going to be undersized like Adesanya was. Um, I think that... Pereira's going to have the ability to kind of just fill out his frame a lot more. I think his bone structure is a little thicker than Adesanya's. Uh, his head, everything in general just seems to be uh, more suited uh, at 205 pounds. So I'm curious, but I'm I'm very optimistic for someone like Pereira. Well, and I hear that you did not bury the lead because he probably makes a half a million bucks to show, right? You do the math, yeah. April, May, June, right. July. So make a million bucks at the very least in four months. And he was the champion making pay-per-view points for that title defense against Israel Adesanya. So Dustin Poirier right now, minus 120 on DraftKings Sportsbook. Justin Gaethje, the even money underdog. Do you have any idea to, to venture a guess, Ken Flo? Jan Bohovic and Alex Pedeta, co-main event UFC 291. Who do you think's the betting favorite? Oh, man. I mean, I think if Pedeta is the underdog, people need to jump on that. Um, ah, he's the dog. Uh, is he? Is he? So, Wojovic, what? Plus 150? Thank you for not reading uh, Cody's comments in the chat room. Cody, I got my notes in front of me. I'm trying to stump the floor. Oh, yeah, minus 150. Uh, okay, oh, that's right yeah. there. Wojovic minus 150. Alex yeah. Pereira plus 130. So many incredible fights announced at UFC 291. Tony Ferguson, Bobby Green, Paolo Costa fighting Ikram Alaskarov, the guy who just made his UFC debut recently, who fought Kamzat Shimaya back in the day. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson against Michelle Pereira. The Black Beast, Eric Lewis, fighting Pezow at heavyweight. Michael Chiesa, Kevin Holland. I mean, um, nice. you know, we're trying to clean it up for the children, but uh, the UFC really did pull out its uh, pull out its Johnson and say, okay, look at UFC 291. It's like seven main events coming up for Salt Lake City uh, at the end of the month of July. All right. A lot of people believe that our next segment is the best part of this weekly podcast. Now, bi-weekly. Let's get to uh, the Ray Longo Minute. Tired of snooty wines and their old wine culture? Confused by words like malolactic fermentation? Yeah, we are too. 
So with 19 Crimes, you can do the fancy schmancy tilt sip smell routine or don't. 19 Crimes is the rebel of wine and culture, telling the stories of rogues and rule breakers who overcame adversities. From convicts banished to Australia to the legendary icon Snoop Dogg himself, 19 Crimes wine is defiant by nature, bold in character, and always uncompromising. 19 Crimes, the official wine of UFC. Pick up in stores nationwide or online at 19crimes.com. Enjoy responsibly. 2024, Sonoma, California. Sound the trumpets, ladies and gentlemen. It is horse racing time, so saddle up for action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. So right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. All you need to do, deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app, not now, but right now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code FLOW, F-L-O, only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18+, plus, 21+, plus in certain states to open or access an account and a resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on a first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wagers within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at DKHorse.com. Now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. And as I understand it, Ray Longo celebrated a huge birthday on Saturday, May 20th. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, it was 40, a, 40 years old. It was a you biggie. Look great, Ray. Kenny was yeah. on point, baby. Kenny, I'll never forget that text. <laughs> very nice. Thank you. Thank Absolutely. You, thank, 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 what thank was everybody. Kenny's text? What was JTF, Kenny's text? Just the facts, right? Just the facts. Yeah, he sent a very heartfelt text. But wait a minute. How could yeah. this be everybody's favorite segment when you just said the UFC pulls out its Johnson? It's <laughs> yeah. just, I mean, like, I mean, if people aren't tuning in for that, then there's something wrong. Because when the well, UFC yeah. pulls out its Johnson. Yeah, well, yeah, did they, they not? Pull out is, it, is it octagonal, by the way? Isn't it octagonal, yeah. Johnson? I don't know what it looks like. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Have you no, ever sometimes... seen that Johnson, John? <laughs> I don't know if I've seen it in the flesh, but uh, let's just say they pull it out a lot. Pull it out a lot. So as, as long as, listen, they can pull it out as long as they don't beat you over the head with it. So, right. That's right. right. That's, there you go. It's all no good. Need that. So, uh, well, happy birthday. Thank you. Did Thank you go you out for me. an Italian dinner on your on your birthday? No, I went out for steak, believe it or not. Oh, okay. All right. How do you get your steak cooked? I mean, Me we know you spit out the fat and leave it on the side of the plate, but how do you get it cooked? Oh, I'm going to tell you something. You guys are going to think I'm lying. You guys are going to think I'm lying. That, that you said that, because thank God that was one of the things uh, I wanted to t- tell you today. I, uh-huh. I go out. I'm dude, not no fucking. I, I, maybe it's me at this point, Kenny. I go out when I take uh, the kid out, Justin Montalvo. Okay, you know, we'll talk about what's going on for the future. So we go out yeah. to eat a uh, nice Vietnamese place. They bring out like an appetizer, chicken wings, and there's another guy there too, uh, his friend Jeff. And um, I eat my chicken wing. I throw it on the on the plate. Right, like ten minutes later, he's like. 
somebody left some meat on the bone. I know. Right? So I'm like, what is with your fighters? No, no, they're Kenny, savages. Kenny. So now oh I see the other guy. He's, he thinks it's the other guy's chicken wing, which I don't even know what difference that would make. He took the chicken wing. He started eating it again. He cleaned the oh, rest of the. I'm like, this can't oh. be happening. Is it me? I did, I'm not even kidding around. I go, this is weird. But he's he's announcing it. So Weidman made a mistake. He's actually right. looking at an old chicken bone sitting there for 10 minutes and decides oh. it's not properly cleaned right. <laughs> so Justin Montalvo uh, we, is proofreading your chicken wing is what you're yes. telling our oh, audience. Yes. So like my oh. wife sometimes will leave some meat on the bone. You know, I'm not afraid to go proofread her chicken wing, but she leaves a lot of meat on the bone. Sounds like uh, uh, one of those guys too. But yeah, you're fighters, man. Like, no, I mean, weird. Well, listen, your <laughs> wife's a little different yeah, than yeah. another guy, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Right. Well, Damn. that's I'm so glad that we got to that. I'm yeah, glad that we got to that. It was something that you wanted to bring up. I, I already have forgot. Hey, a shout out to uh, Santino DeFranco, who also has a birthday on May 20th. So I knew there was something I loved about his coach. You go. I know he's got the <laughs> birthday gene going. I love yeah. it. So yeah. happy birthday, Santino. He is significantly younger than you. Why don't you tell the audience how old you are, Raymond? <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, I'll look it up if you don't want to let no, us know. Cody. How old are you now, Ray? No, no, you're, you're muted. I can't hear <laughs> you. Cody, I will tell you that my worst birthday was 40. That was a tough one. That was a tough one. Ray Longo, born May 20. No, we don't have it here. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to guess you're like 61. Yeah. I feel like we celebrated number 60 pretty recently. You look good, though, right? I, I mean, I everybody you. says it. Everybody I, acknowledges. I, I do, I do you feel look. good, but no, I turned 65, which is hard to even say, man. It sucks. 65. At 65. Wow. Well. Isn't hey, that crazy? Man. It's just how a you number. Feel? How, how, yeah. how old are you guys? 43, you said? Something like that? 42, 41? Uh, I'm going to be 47 in a few days, man. Wow. So you're uh, you're, you're, you're close to Matt. So he's going to be 49. Isn't that crazy, yeah. Kenny? You're that's almost crazy. 50. I mean, How'd that's that nuts. How'd that happen? You were elbowing guys, I feel like, yesterday, cutting them all wide <laughs> open. Unbelievable. He's trying to turn 47, right, yeah. and you're creeping him up to 50. You know, well, now, now if he has another kid, he's going to feel true. awful. I mean, I feel like I'm getting close there, man. Damn, it's wild. So wait, you had your first kid. How old were you? What are you uh, trying to do to the guy, Ray? I'm I mean, 42, <laughs> my first kid at 42. Yeah. Late. I started late. Oh, wait, we had a lot of kids. shit to I do. I do everything late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, I thought yeah. I was late at like 36. <laughs> yeah, do before that point in time, I had my son, my third and final child. 10 days before I turned 40. So I was a little wow. bit, but I had my first daughter when I was like 31 or 32. Oh, I got it. Okay. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. But yeah, it, it gets, uh, it gets crazy as they get older and you're yeah, limping around all over the place. I'm you telling know? you. Yeah. My son's going to own me. Oh, and yeah. I hope your son's doing better. I, I didn't even know about that. I'm sorry. When we talked too, I felt horrible. I wanted to give you, you a call on that, but thank you, man. Bother, but. Slowly, but surely we're getting there. But I appreciate that. No, no, that's good. All right. So, uh, but I did just want to get your thoughts quickly, if I could, on the UFC, you know, pulling out its figurative Johnson around the time of the Francis Ngannou news or not. <laughs> but they announced UFC 291 for Salt Lake City, Utah. 
And they right. say, you know what? We're going to give you Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje. Jan Bohovic is going to welcome Alex Pineda to the light heavyweight division. Tony Ferguson's back against Bobby Green. Oh, is that not good enough? How about we'll give you Paulo Costa <laughs> against Ikram Alaskarov. Derek Lewis on the card. Your, your guy, WB. Michael Chiesa against Kevin Holland. It's just, uh, if you're a UFC fan, it's, uh, I mean, I can't, I just got dozens of ticket requests for July 29th as soon as all these fight announcements wow. uh, came Let's in. See. So I wanted to ask your thoughts on all that, Ray. Well, I guess uh, Francis Ngannou had to put his Johnson back in his pants after that. I mean, I think that's the, <laughs> is that the moral of the story? Well, and that could take a long time. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you, John? <laughs> that could take a long time. I'm just saying. Uh, you know. Yeah, no, that's crazy. No, they're uh, – I tell you, one thing about the UFC, come on, they make great matchups. I mean, it's not it's not like a boxing thing. You know, they're going to fight everybody any place, yeah. any time. Uh, and sometimes as much as it might be uh, – and I, I think it's great. I think it's yeah. great what they're doing, 100%. What, what are your thoughts on the Francis Ngannou signing with the PFL? Look, I'm happy for anything Francis does. I think Francis is a guy that took a stand. You know, he's probably a little wacky in his demands. Obviously, some of those things seem uh, seem a little excessive. But uh, I, look, he took a stand, and I, I, I agree with Francis. I think sometimes you deal with these people from other countries, and you get to see like a different perspective on things. And I think, like what Francis said, I fulfilled my contract. I did what you wanted. I'm gone. Why? Why? Why can't you be happy for me? Why are you always taking digs at me? You know. So, you know, business is you know crazy at times like that. But I, I like Francis. I think uh, you know. I, I I assume he's difficult to deal with a little bit, but uh, he's taking a shot. He knows he's got a small window, and uh, you know, I think it's good for everybody what he's doing. All right, I have some Aljamain Sterling stuff, so we're going to hit you with the heavy stuff. Let's go. Let's do and then it. we'll get into Mackenzie Dern and uh, Anthony Fluffy Hernandez and everything that transpired inside the octagon over the weekend. But after this UFC live event at the UFC Apex, UFC President Dana White was asked about Aljamain Sterling and Sean O'Malley, which seems at the very least verbally agreed to as the headlining bout August 19th, UFC 292 in Boston. That would amount to a very quick turn for Aljamain Sterling. I wondered aloud at the realism of this or how realistic it was before it was announced. So I want to read you some quotes and then we'll get some comments yeah. from uh, the godfather Ray Longo. So here's what Aljo had to say on his podcast, Weekly Scraps. I told them, yes, verbally agree, but of course my body has to agree. Going to try to make this happen. This would be a sick, insane turnaround. He went on to say, I'm still injured with my legs banged up. My bicep still sucks. I'm supposed to get another MRI on that. I'm trying to get to this fight in August. We've talked a little bit about it, and we'll try to see if we can make it happen, but my leg is still super sensitive to the touch. I hope I'm not ruining, ruining anything by me saying that, but guys, I did just fight. And then Dana White said, I think we got his manager on the phone and stuff like that. It's just Aljo's one of those guys that just can't get out of his own way. Apparently, he's in for the fight. Why he said that, who knows? The fight is on. The fight is absolutely, positively on. Right. What do you want? So, uh, what do you want? Well, would, well <laughs> no, I mean, I would, uh, I would be remiss if we didn't uh, ask you here on a Ray Longo minute about all of that. But uh, no, I'm not asking you to tell us as to no, whether no, or not I this is happening. But I wondered aloud at the... Uh, at the viability of this quick turn for Aljo. And now it seems like he has some concerns. Listen, man, I don't, I don't, everybody could do business the way they want to do it. Let me just, let's backtrack to Marab. He beats Jan in a five round fight. 
really, I, I think, one of the best performances against the top-rated guy that you could see how he shut him down completely for five rounds, nonstop, you know. They offered him a fight five or six weeks after that. Right. I mean, you think that's right after a five-round fight like that? You think that's right? They don't like the guy, you know, period. So now Aljo is a little longer, so that's – I think it's more acceptable, but – I didn't know O'Malley was coming in the ring that night. I mean, they had it set up. They set that thing up, right? So nobody knows O'Malley's coming in. They had an agenda, and they were going to force it on everybody. So, you know, whether it's right or wrong, I don't know. But there's definitely not a signed contract. And Aljo said he would fight. He did say he would fight. He just wanted to let his body let me give me a week or two to see if my body heals up. That's never that's not good enough for everybody. So they just got to announce the fight. But uh, the fight will happen for sure, and he will beat the shit out of O'Malley. You know, I don't care how he feels. Yeah, that's that's my take. But Kenny, that, what that, are your thoughts on? Uh, they're going to motivate. They're going to motivate for... him to a different level just by yeah. doing so. I'm, yeah. I'm, all, I'm on board. You know, I mean, you listen to like O'Malley's team. I think uh, they were saying, you know, he he'll have trouble making the weight. You know, he'd probably be a little banged up. That's what I heard. I didn't vet this or do any due diligence on it, but. You know, don't you think you want the best Aljamain Sterling? Isn't that what you want? Or you want the guy that's banged up? You know, and according to Aljo, he O'Malley could have taken the fight instead of Cejudo. He didn't want it. So, I don't know. Yeah, you know, Kenny, he, Tim Welch, chief corner for Sean O'Malley, had a lot of glowing things to say about Aljamain Sterling, but it does seem as though the timeline is being manipulated a little bit. I'm not even going to suggest by whom, but what yeah. are your thoughts, Kenny, on Sterling? Uh making this quick turn and, and putting his belt on the line so soon after defending it. I, I definitely think it's feasible. I, I don't think this is um, a huge ask for the UFC, but I will give the fighter's perspective on this. And I think that a fighter works so damn hard to become a champion. Uh, and, and obviously it is a, a rare few that will ever make it to that level. And when you finally do, you want to be able to give your best performance, right? Uh, you start. You want to covet that belt. You want to be the best at what you do, and you want to be as close to 100% as possible. So I think Aljo is trying not to give any advantages to his opponents as he can, and rightfully so. Without he deserves that as champion. Um, but I, I love this matchup for him. I think yes. Sean O'Malley is an extremely dangerous striker. He's an excellent fighter. He's tough as nails. But this is not a good matchup for him. Aljo, uh, you know, obviously is one of the best at getting you to the mat, controlling you, and finishing you from there. So uh, I'm curious to see how it all goes down. But um, uh, and, and I think that's why um, O'Malley took this time off. I think he realized the challenge that was in front of him. I, I, I'm 100%. sure he is behind, behind the scenes working on his wrestling and on his grappling to prepare for this monster in Sterling. 100%. John, you know, I'll say this. Look, Aljo's an overthinker for sure. He's going to think everything out. Like Kenny said, he wants to be the best Aljo when he goes in there. And that's where he's coming from. So I do agree with Kenny. It's feasible. But, you know, the guy is the, he's the champ of the division. I mean, if I tell you he was enjoying the shit out of that, like he was really enjoying himself. And that's what he likes to do. He's set in his ways. He likes to enjoy himself after the fight. And I think, like, asking for September wasn't a big ask, you know what I mean? But, again, when you have an agenda and you got to hold to it, then 
you got to do what you got to do. I, like, again, it's it's just a weird, I think it's weird that he had no say in it. And he, and he is going to fight. He does want to fight. That, that's not the thing. He was in the gym yesterday. But he was having a great time, and I think he wanted to enjoy the fruits of his labor. And that's what he does, and that's how he gets himself ready for the next fight. It's like work hard, play hard. I mean, yeah. and that's it. He, You know, to cut him short a week or two, you know, or three, it, it, for him, at this stage of his career, kind of sucks to him. And I, I don't want to talk for him either. I, I really yeah. don't. But that that's my interpretation. I know him good enough now to know that, you know, he's going to look at every possible angle. And like Kenny says, he wants to give himself the best advantage. And he's a thinker. He's a thinker on every aspect of the game, and, and including this. So, um, you know, the fight, I'm going to say the fight's going to happen. Uh, and that's it, you know. And I hope he does what we all know he can do. That's the best form of voice in your opinion is just to get that job done. And then they're really stuck because it looks like they don't want him. <laughs> you know, when you start thinking, you know, you're the champion and nobody really wants you, it's uh, you know, it's not a good feeling, you know. So I don't know. That's the way I'm Well, doing. thankfully, he's mentally forged by a lot of his professional life experience. But the extra three, four, five weeks is a big deal. And this whole thing is a big deal. And I hesitate to use the verb bully, but you can be sure Leon Edwards was not going to be bullied into fighting on a certain timeline, yeah, right? Right, right? To headline a pay-per-view in July, right, after going 25 minutes with Kamaru Usman, right? I mean, Aljamain Sterling just went 25 hard minutes with yeah. Henry Cejudo, right? With, with the guy that and it's like, it's almost combat. like, yeah. it'd almost be better for Aljo, I feel like, if he had a cut, right? It'd buy him a little time. But no, hey, I'm not suggesting either that this can't be something that is optimal for Sterling, right? To right. stay in shape and have less recreation time. And I think you should listen to Kenny more than you should listen to me. But it is pretty interesting, right, that he is turning around so quickly. And it seems like the UFC is getting a few of these guys to do it. Now, Alexander Volkanovsky is a little bit of an outlier. He tells us in the fighter meeting in Perth that he wants to fight four or five times this year. But you still had to get Yair Rodriguez to make a relatively quick turn. And that has not been historically his pattern. So I don't know. I think there's a lot there. Absolutely, John. Sorry to cut you off. Uh, I, I think location has a lot to do with it as well, right? There's a lot of fighters that uh, when they fight are thinking about things like taxes. You know, what state is going to give me the, the best uh, tax rate uh, where I fight? And that's why Las Vegas is so popular. You know, um, I know GSP hated fighting in Montreal for that reason. He was a huge star there. But every time he went there, it was like 60, 70 percent of his pay was gone you know so anyway yeah you're kenny you're a hundred percent aljo look he's gonna think about everything and that's another big part of it obviously everybody that's why they want to fight in vegas there's no state tax if you're making money that that saves you a couple hundred grand you know what i mean so yeah at this stage of the game that's that's big money i mean like it's almost like found money if you fight because yeah. you're gonna have it taken away in another place so that's that's another part of it also i think you're dead on with that Kenny too so uh may Rob Dwellish Willie had surgery you're probably happy to see him get fixed I would assume I really am because I, I'll tell you I didn't even know about the injury before the fight but when he came to the gym yeah he had Weidman has it Matt still has it Matt never never got it fixed he said he could never the problem is when you punch correctly huge pain so they start altering the way they're punching what knuckles they're hitting with and 
that all three of them had the same thing. Weidman got it fixed. Now Marab got it fixed, which I'm happy for because yeah. uh, it's going to make a big difference. All right, I want to talk to you quickly about this UFC fight night before we get you out of here. Sorry about that click-clack. I think that's on Longo's end. What do you got going on there, Raymond? I shouldn't be blaming Ray. I should be careful with the minute, man. You hear that click-clack, Ray, I or no? I click-clack, but I don't buy, buy it. Oh, man. It's not you, huh? All right. Well, uh, I mean, it could be me for all I know. I'd like to ask you boys about Mackenzie Dern, and sometimes I fall victim to the moment, and I get a little bit too headliney when it comes to my analysis, and I start anointing Mackenzie Dern, Kenny. But, man, like she looked like a world champion to me in a division that makes it very hard to become just that. And then I feel like there's some segment of the people that's like, yeah, but she's fighting Angela Hill, who's a 500 fighter, is 38 years of age. What were your thoughts, Ken Flo, on Mackenzie Dern? And then we'll get some uh, thoughts from Raymond as well. Yeah, I, I like the intensity. I like the intensity and her ability to – uh, combine the striking with her her takedowns and her ability to get to the ground. Um, she kept a fast pace. Just walking into the octagon, to me, that looked like that was the best shape that I've seen her in physically. Um, so it was great to see her go out there and get that kind of performance. Now, th there was reckless times. I mean, she was a little reckless. I love the aggression. I, I think it's great. Um, is that a style that's going to allow her to beat maybe some of the elite top two in that division? I'm not sure. I don't think so at this point. But her ground game is good enough to get it done against anybody in that division. But just to see her getting that much more comfortable on the feet and not give an F on the feet, I think is a huge step forward for her. And she can always work on the technical stuff, but sometimes that mental stuff becomes that biggest hurdle. And I did not see that in this fight. Angela Hill, you know, say what you want about her record, maybe her age, whatever. She's tough. She's going to be a tough out for anybody. And the fact that she went, there, went out there, was able to trade with her, exchange some good uh, takedowns with her and all that stuff and put out that pace for 25 minutes I thought was a phenomenal performance and that was one of those fights where I love being proven wrong I picked Angela Hill in that one uh, but Mackenzie Dern man awesome yeah I gotta tell you I think Kenny hit it right but most of the things I'm saying I love the aggression I love what I saw and she got 25 minutes against a really good striker 35 years old and not utmost respect for Angela Hill in that fight too, because she had to really go through a lot of adversity in a lot of different spots. We thought she'd have the stand-up, you know, advantage. She got rock bad, you know, where she turned her into a wrestler at times, which is crazy. Right. But man, I, I, I like what I saw around Mackenzie dirt. I like attitude, man. And that attitude yeah. is spot on. Like, you're not going to deny me. I'm coming forward. If you can't knock me out, you're getting knocked out. If I don't knock you out, I can submit you. I think uh, that was a huge fight for Mackenzie Dern. Uh, I'm on the bandwagon, and I think she's got a good shot. I'd love to see her step it up, 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 and uh, and go. But that's an extra 25 minutes against a really good striker, and she showed she didn't give a fuck, man. She, I, I love that intensity, man. And she looks like she throws hard. And again, she did keep it up for 25 minutes. I thought it was a great fight for both. But honestly, even for Angel Hill in defeat, yeah. got to respect that girl. You know what I mean? Because, I mean, she's fought the best of the best. I thought probably got robbed a couple of times. She should have won the fight. So she was right. in there with a yeah, – that's a good gauge. You know, and she didn't fight like a 35-year-old. You know, she was she – looked, she looked good. It's just that she got overpowered. Mackenzie Dern looked huge in there next to her.
yeah. to me. And I think Angela is 38, actually. But you're right. And you put her career, I think, in the proper context in terms of having to pass this test. Gatekeeper can be sort of a yeah. negative connotation. But yes, buckets of respect for, for Angela Hill in defeat. But it is interesting to look at Mackenzie Dern in terms of the career progression and everything else. She wants to fight with Thug Rose Namajunas. I think that makes a shit ton of sense if Rose comes back in the not-too-distant future. But people leaned into a lot of what Mackenzie Dern had to say during fight week about not having Jason Perillo at her disposal because he was with Luke Rockhold for times and the divorce Dern, right? Everything else. And uh, yes, I mean, she was able to channel that anger in the right mean spirited way. And uh, if she can fight like that, she's going to be a real problem. All right, Raymond, that's all I got for you today, my man. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I did send you a check this week. So uh, really, you know, wow, yeah. this is phenomenal. Oh, good. Yeah, All right. Why, extra win. rounds not paying you? Uh, they're actually paying, believe it. Oh, okay, that. they're paying. We're in, okay. the, we're in right. the pro- no, John, we're in the process. It's okay. A, but All it's right. more on my end, so. Okay. All right. Well, care. make sure when we send you a check that your wife sees it, okay? And uh, oh, we'll talk to you next week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Get your Johnson back in your pants, both of you guys. <laughs> I I'll do that now. Thanks, thank you Ray. very much. All right. thank, thank God we're only right. here from the way. Thank God we're only here from the neck up. That's all I got. Exactly. That's the truth. I'd be in a shitload of trouble. Take it easy. <laughs> Get out of here. Ray Longo Minute every week here on the Anakin Florian podcast. Kenny McKenzie, Dern, Thug Rose, Nami Yunus. It just makes a lot of sense. And Oof. if I could just take you back to McKenzie Dern's first UFC fight, I believe it came against Ashley Yoder. And we were told at times during training camp, she would stop sparring and she would start crying, right? Like this has been a transition for a decorated world-class jujitsu player that maybe not enough has been made about. The, the demons, personally professional, and demons isn't the right word, but just the hurdles that she had to overcome to get to this place. And I do think there were a lot of people who were questioning her mentally or otherwise going into this fight, just given all of the life circumstance. And then Mm -hmm. to have a performance like that, I know she didn't get a finish, but bro, like I'm very excited about Mackenzie Dern. And I hope it's not just a recency bias that that is causing my enthusiasm. Uh, No, I I don't think it is. I think that um, people forget about all the things that you got to deal with outside of the cage. Life can hit you way harder than what you experience in the octagon. And I think she's been dealing with a lot. And anytime you're able to bounce back from something like that, John, I think it does uh, amazing things for you, both personally and professionally as a fighter. And I think this is the kind of performance that I think is going to buoy her and uh, give her that much more confidence and uh you know, I think also her team, her coaches, her dad, uh, who's a big part of her training. Um, it, it's just going to it's going to lift everybody's spirits. I, I think that that was a huge performance, came at a great time. She did exactly what she said she was going to do, too. Um, and, and you don't see that too often in this sport. And um, really happy for Mackenzie, who is, you know, for me, every time I've met her, she has been an absolute sweetheart. Um, and uh, has done great things in the jiu-jitsu world, representing all the jiu-jitsu guys all over the world extremely well at a high level, and uh, very, very happy for her. A lot of repetitions now in MMA, a lot of experience, five-round experience accrued by Mackenzie Dern, and perhaps she's just reaping the benefits of, of those training camps and the ensuing fights. So uh, big things for Mackenzie Dern. And Anthony Fluffy for Hernandez, like best of luck Ooh. fading that guy at the window. What a stud, huh? 
dude, like he's an animal, man. Like uh, I think his pressure is as good as any Dagestani wrestler out there. And, you know, I, I don't know about, you know, whether he's got that high level wrestling background or not, but he certainly he fights like it. The way he puts it all together is phenomenal. He's nonstop. There are world class Brazilian Jiu Jitsu guys, John, who are competing in the UFC and other organizations who don't exhibit the same level of confidence of going for submissions like Anthony Fluffy Hernandez. And to me, that is awesome. He has that special quality, not to mention a pace that is something to behold, man. That dude is a beast. Um, Again, I think he got everyone's attention when he was able to beat Adolfo Vieira, uh, but he's legit, man. That, That dude is absolutely legit. I will watch a fight with Anthony Fluffy Hernandez Every single time out. And it seemed like maybe he was going to get his first UFC main event here, right? But they did delay Dern and Hill and elevated that fight. But Anthony Fluffy Hernandez is going to get a big fight at 85. And uh, he certainly got a fan in me. As does new man Joaquin Buckley with a big highlight. Carlos Diego Fajeda getting a bonus for his knockout of Michael Johnson. A lot of big winners over the weekend uh, at that live event in Las Vegas. But we're going to go back out to the guest line right now. We're very happy to be joined right on the screws, this guy, noon Eastern time today. And we appreciate that. This is a man who almost entered the UFC in 2012, courtesy of the Ultimate Fighter Live. But when he ultimately did, he made up for lost time. 21-time UFC veteran Drew Dober is with us. It's good to see you, man. Just elevating the fucking handsome on this program right out of the shoot. How you doing, buddy? I, I mean, I, I didn't get the, the hat headset memo. <laughs> so I, I, I'm underdressed. But. So I wore a hat this week. Everybody in the comments last week was suggesting that I was stoned for the program. I was having an issue with my eyes. People are going to believe what they're going to believe. So, yeah, a little self-conscious today. We went with the Hurley hat. But uh, it's good to see you, my man. And uh, so I was just looking at sort of the traje- trajectory of your career earlier this morning. So after you tried out for the Ultimate Fighter Live in 2012, you ultimately go 6-1 and one regionally to get into the UFC. But I want to take you back to August 10th. 2012 you're in omaha and you lose a unanimous decision to will brooks right so that makes you one and one post ultimate fighter right and i'm taking you back to this point in time because i'd imagine it was maybe a low point you'd go on to win five in a row and punch your ticket to the ufc but what can you tell me in your hometown how you were feeling mentally physically about the future after that 2012 loss to will will brooks yeah, I mean, at, at, at that point, you know, being the goal of the undefeated world champion was kind of out the window. But um, we had to uh, recess and, and, and figure out, you know, what it's going to take to get my name in the, on the headlights. And, uh, you know, you're either, you know, with that undefeated record coming in with the, the UFC eyes or you got to steal that from somebody else. And uh, I was at a point where it's like, all right, the UFC knows I exist. Uh, we got to try to steal that hype from somebody else. And so we just uh, started calling up promotions, looking at the the biggest baddest uh, competition and uh we found it and eventually got my way into the the ufc so that fifth win on that winning streak that ultimately got to the you to the ufc what do you remember about that fight and then the timeline of when the call from the big show ultimately came in Right, right. So uh, there was a uh, undefeated uh, knockout artist in uh, Tony Sims here in uh, Denver, Colorado. Um, I mean, he was finishing every fight knockout in the first round. And uh, there was word that the UFC had eyes on the cat. 
and uh, he was looking for a fight. And uh, so I just raised my hand. I was like, all right, if I can't be that guy, I'll just beat that guy. And uh, we flew out to Denver, Colorado in enemy territory. And uh, man, he put the beating on me in that first round. I could see why he was finishing fights in the first, but we made it out of that first round. And then uh, I saw some weakness, uh, some niche in his armor. And uh, yeah, he uh, didn't feel confident going into that second. And uh, we put that beating on him and uh, got the split decision, which I stole the limelight and eventually got that call two weeks later. Oh, it was two weeks later. So what do you remember about getting that call? Was it a manager or somebody? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, the day after that fight in Denver, Colorado was my birthday. So I was neck deep in like ice cream and cake, just enjoying my life post fight. I mean, I was sitting in a diner with, you know, the most ridiculous food in front of me when I got that call, like, Hey, do you want to fight in the UFC in two weeks? And I was like, oh man, what weight? <laughs> and uh, luckily, luckily we were get the call at the, at 170. So we moved up in weight class, 170, two weeks notice. And uh, we put on the best performance we could. Drew Dober with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. I promise I'm going to let Kenny in here. I just am sort of going back before we can move forward. And I feel like I can ask you this question now because you fought 21 times in the UFC. You've won 12 fights in the UFC, but just some more adversity that you had to overcome, right? You get to the UFC and then just one win in your first five UFC starts, right? A lot of random circumstances, the no contest. So, but yet you still persevere and and look at you now, man, you're trajecting to fight like 30 plus times in the UFC. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just writing the story that it doesn't need to be perfect. It doesn't need to be pretty. But if you stay at it, you can reach that top. And uh, man, we're, we're still pushing. And, you know, we got some setbacks here and there, some interesting scenarios. But we're creating stories every time we're in that cage, whether it's a win, a loss, a no contest. Um, and I mean, I'm having a blast doing it. And uh, yeah, like I said, they're showing everyone that it doesn't need to be perfect. Uh, Drew, you know, um you're still young at 34 years old. You know, how many more years do you see yourself doing this? I mean, I, I see him on that path of uh, Stephen Thompson. I mean, I've always been a late bloomer, uh, late mature. And so at, at 34, I feel like I'm 24. So, I mean, we could probably see fights up in that, in the forties. Let's I, I'm go. With I'm with you on that. Uh, that's awesome. Hey, um, great fight around the corner in your division. Uh, one of the guys that you faced, Benil Daryush, uh, taking on Charles Oliveira. I think a lot of people are sleeping on Benil, man. I, how do you see this fight going down? How do you break that one down? You know, I think a lot of people uh, sleep on Benil. He is probably one of the most well-rounded uh, and, and composed individual in the lightweight division. Um, Charles Oliveira has been at the top. Um, he started feeling himself. Uh, he had that unfortunate loss with uh, Islam Makachev. But uh, I feel Charles Oliveira relies on you to come forward, relies on you to take risks, and uh and make mistakes and uh benil darush is is not the guy that you can rely on he, he's so composed so technical and so well-rounded well-rounded that uh you know i see him uh, picking and choosing his battles inside that uh octagon against charles uh charles Oliveira. and uh, i have uh, benil darush winning by decision um just wow. by uh, picking and playing and uh out grappling honestly and that's a three-round fight, right? Three-round co-main event. Yeah, that is not five rounds. So, uh, all right, I thought of you recently. So, Jared Gordon, right? You probably know where I'm going. He has this no contest against Bobby Green on April 22nd. So, Gordon goes out, wakes up, right? Asks what happened, right? And it ends up being a no contest. So, now about six weeks later, he steps in to face Jim Miller because Ludovic Klein can't go. And... 
I guess I bring it up in the context of your fight against Matt Frivola because I know you respect the stoppage maybe more than I do, right? But you never went out. The fight lasted four minutes and eight seconds. And yeah, I mean, I know for you, the timeline probably for the Jim Miller fight just doesn't match up the way it did for Jared Gordon. And you're a bigger lightweight than Jared Gordon and all of that. But I ask you in a broader sense, right? The Jim Miller-Drew Dober fight to me makes a lot of sense. Two big names, two guys who I think have been a big part of the history of the UFC lightweight division. You know, what is your appetite for taking on a big name fight like that? And how much time realistically do you need to step in for the right opponent? I mean, we're, we're looking at possibly fighting at, at the end of July, August. And uh, so Jim Miller, I mean, that fight would have been beautiful. I, I've said yes to Jim Miller before. Uh, the fight hasn't uh, come to fruition. Um, but uh, yeah, just getting all that experience and in, in, in the octagon, it would be tons of fun. But I also said yes to Jared Gordon as well. You know, I would love to, you know, fight the real winner of the Patty fight. <laughs> uh, you know, that'd be a fun one. But for me, it's not about who. It's a matter of, of when. And I'm trying to stay active. So, you know, we're clearing that suspension from the last get go. And uh, we're looking at trying to find somebody to say yes, uh, you know, in August. So I mentioned your fight with Matt Frivola and, you know, I try not to be uber critical of the officials here on the show. Right. But I feel like in a situation like that, Drew Dober's history with 26 professional mixed martial arts wins, his penchant for being in wars and rallying and winning those fights should have afforded him at least one extra beat in that setting. Uh, would you at least agree with me on that? Yeah, I, I was a little surprised when uh, Herb stepped in. I mean, I was coherent, I was aware, and I was defending myself. So when uh, Herb stepped in, I was a little surprised, very upset, um, just because we know, you know, I'm able to, to come back from fights and, and win spectacularly. But you take the high road, right? Like you just said you were upset, but I think Drew Dober's fan base would suggest that you you didn't go hard in the paint at Herb Dean. And perhaps that's just not your nature, you know, but I remember texting you that seemed like I was more upset about it than you were. Yeah, you know, I, I try to, I mean, he, Herb's doing his job and, uh, you know, I was defending myself. I don't know if I was defending myself intelligently and that's kind of his call and, uh, you right. know, his job and, uh and it's more like I try to focus on what I can control. I can't control the ref's decisions. I can yeah. just control on uh, getting my hands back to my face and not falling over. And yeah. uh, I unfortunately made that mistake. And we just got to live, learn, and grow and move forward. Yeah. No, that's uh, a good assessment by you. And, hey, I mean, Matt Frivola is a friend of the program. I'm not trying to take anything away from him, of course. That's just my, uh, my honest opinion. All right. So who's the toughest guy you ever fought, by the way? You probably get asked that question a lot. I mean, you've fought almost 40 times. Who's the toughest guy? I mean, I, I, as of now, like, like tough is a matter of like a detailed question. Like mm. tough as far as the most well-rounded, tough as far as the hardest hitter, or the person that I couldn't get out of my face. Um, right. I mean, as of statistically, like Islam Makachev was, you know, the more like the most well-rounded fighter that I've ever competed against. Um, but as far as the toughest man, that fight with uh, Tony Sims right before the UFC was probably I got I got knocked down three times in the first round, and you know, just just kind of like with the whole Matt Provola fight, you know, the ref could have stepped in, yeah. But man, we survived and we had a rally in that second round, and then he came out with a different plan in the third, started taking me down, and we had to do a lot more grappling in the third round so as far as like the like human will and really trying to draw it out like that was probably the toughest fight yeah it's so interesting talking to fighters and oftentimes it's those early fights that uh that really stick with you all right so 
You've had a lot of, of gym wars with Justin Gaethje, if I can put it that way. And philosophically, it seems like a lot of the elite fighters fall on different sides of this. Dominic Cruz needs months of hard sparring to get ready for the fight. Max Holloway doesn't necessarily spar at all. Yaya Rodriguez, I think, is cut from that ladder cloth as well. I mean, philosophically, it might be a different answer for yourself versus others. But where do you stand on how much sparring needs to be done to realize success uh, in MMA for you or for another person? You know, for me, I think that sparring is uh, slightly overrated. You know, in the bigger in, in your career, you got to learn how to how what that feels like, what the fire feels like, how to uh, build on the, the toughness. But as you know, as we get into the UFC, I mean, I feel like the toughness is already there. We've already gone through the the regional circuit. We've been hit before. We all know all that, and so. I- I think people should focus their energy on the technical aspects of training, the the repetitions, the drills, the, you know, sparring is, is so chaotic and so sporadic. You know, it's really hard to like judge on like what you're getting better at. I feel like everyone's just fighting to prove themselves that they are better versus getting better. Where in the drills and the pad work and the repetitions, like that is solely based on like just getting better. And uh, so I'm right there with, uh, you know, sparring every once in a while, but you got to focus your energy on the, the drills and the repetitions. All right. Two more with Drew Dober before I get you out of here. So you mentioned July or August. I mean, do you have any name on the tip of your tongue or is it just sort of about getting back in there as soon as medically cleared and, and as your health will allow? I mean, we said uh, we said we would fight uh, Jared Gordon in August, but he took that fight with Jim Miller, which is right. great for him. Uh, man, De- Diego Fajero with his knockout over Michael Johnson. We'll see how soon he wants to get turned around. I was scheduled to fight him twice in 2020. That's so right. that, that is a man that's been on my radar for a while. So, uh, you know, we'll see who's available. Um, in the flightweight division, it, it's hard to get guys to agree to fights. So August is my date. If, if anybody wants to say yes, I'm willing to exchange. And is it true you've never had a rematch in 39 professional MMA fights? Yeah, rematches kind of like they bore me. I mean, whether I won the fight or lost the fight, yeah. right? Just like fighting the same guy over and over. It's like, man, we, we need something new, right. you know? And uh, yeah, I'm not a fan of rematches. All right. And before I let you go, do you have a kid on the way? Do I remember that from our conversation? Yes. My wife is about to explode. It's like any day now. Uh, so a week is the due date. And so it could be happening. It could be happening right now as we speak, you know? So yeah, at any moment we become daddy Dober and uh, we'll see <laughs> how that affects my octagon skills. And, Congrats, just wait, and just wait till that kid is like eight and gets to sit down and see some of those Drew Dober highlights with dad. Hey, appreciate the time, man. We very much look forward to uh, you getting back in there in August and uh, we will talk to you and see your, uh, your face down the line. I'm sure brother, but we appreciate a few minutes today, sir. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. All right, there he is, Drew Dober, with us here on the Anakin Florian podcast. I didn't know that his wife was literally about to uh, go into labor, but we appreciate Drew uh, being with us here today on the program. Thank you also to Ray Longo. Our executive producer is Cody Merrow. Coming up next week, Brian Petrie is back, and we will look ahead uh, to another UFC fight night in Las Vegas. Kai Kata France and Amir Albazi, and then, of course, UFC 289 coming pretty quickly. Also, don't forget, before the Ultimate Fighter. I was just in Bristol last week at ESPN. Kenny, it was crazy, by the way, being back in a Bristol studio really? for the first time since I was like 32 years of age. And I would just say, 
the emotions, the nostalgia driving back into that parking lot. I had a little bit of a negative emotion driving into that parking lot because I used to do so many graveyard shifts. I was like having like my life flash before my eyes. But walking into that studio now, 44 years of age, I just feel like I have a lot more skills than I had when I was 32 and I left that place. So that was kind of cool. But we filmed a show called Before the Ultimate Fighter. You can find that on the UFC's YouTube channel all in advance of the season debut coming up in eight days on May 30th. And uh, we'll be back next week. To preview Albazi and Kai Kata France, and of course, get you ready for UFC 289. With that, for Ken Flo, I'm John Ann. Thank you all for watching, for listening. We'll talk to you in less than a week. Until then, go later. a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family, and 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.